Well, good morning, church. And hello to those watching online as well, and welcome to our nursery coming on down here today. That's a special reason for that, and uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But I do want to remind you that uh, not so long ago, we had a uh, wonderful potluck dinner together. And when we did that, we had a little competition of some trivia uh, that happened during that uh, morning. And uh, the first place winners, we got to do their sermon last week because they chose it. I didn't really expressly say this, but my plan was to do the second place winners, but I didn't know if it would be a tie and all that. So anyways, I kept it kind of open-ended. But it was, we had a clear second place winner in that, and it was my own daughter, Miss Kensley, that won it. <laughs> Congratulations, oh daughter of mine. And so she picked the sermon today, and she said, uh, hey, uh, Daddy, I want you to preach on Mary and Martha and Moses. And I thought, hmm, that's a difficult <laughs> challenge right there. So here's what we're going to do today. I said, uh, you know what? You're going to help me actually preach this today. And so uh, Jackson and Kinsley uh, are going to tell you the story of Moses. Then I will preach on Mary and Martha. So let us pray before we begin. Lord, may the words of all of our mouths be a blessing in your sight. May, Lord, the very prayers of our heart and thoughts of our heart, meditations of our heart, be also pleasing in your sight. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the story of Moses. There was a fuel that didn't... And the mommy put Moses in the basket. He put, she put the basket in the water. And then it floated to the princess. He heat, she heat him as a son. And then he got big when he got in a fight. And then he got to leave Egypt. And he went to the burning bush. And God said, let my people go. And then Moses went to the Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And he said, no. Ten plagues. The staff, he raised his staff, put it in the water, it spread it apart, and then they walked across, it closed, and then the pharaohs couldn't get in, and they drowned. And then the Moses went, and he to the mountains and had his ten commandments. 
Thank you, Miss Shelly, for taking care of me. Thank you for taking care of me in the nursery. Thank you, Miss Shelly, for taking care of us. Thank you, Miss Shelly, for taking care of us. We really love you. <laughs> Anything else? We love you so much. I hope you feel better. We wanted to surprise Shelly, so we didn't want to talk about it before now, but just to remind everybody that this is Shelly's last day with us. So she, our nursery director, will be officially uh, going on. She's been now, got three grandchildren and uh, is busy, busy, busy. <laughs> so we, uh, uh, I asked Shelly, I said, hey, uh, Shelly, because they go to church on Sunday nights at their, their home church with her and Roy, and uh, I said, Shelly, what are you going to do next Sunday on your first Sunday off? She goes, I'm sleeping. <laughs> She's like, none of my family know. I haven't really told them that I'm, I'm stopping. So like, I, I would tell them they can figure that out later. But Shelly, we have uh, been so blessed these last five years uh, of you being up in the nursery, raising the kids, teaching them about Jesus. And uh, kids, all the kids, if you guys could come up for just a second, I need some help with something. Thanks, Nikki. You guys grab the bag. And then other kids, come here. All right. So I'm going to have you two hold this for a second. Oh, here comes Hank. <laughs> All right, can you guys got that? You got that? All right, okay. All right, so if you guys come on down here to the front where Shelly is. Yeah. And so Shelly, uh, we have some gifts for you here today that we want you to have. First of all is a set of flowers that were ordered for you and I've been on our altar to decorate that today, but we wanted you to be able to take those home to, to know how much we love you. Yeah. And then Mr. Jackson wanted to give you a... <laughs> Mr. Jackson, I want to give you a matching squirrel to go with you with a bow because it's a girl. And then Kenzie had a little something she made for you too, just to say. <laughs> yeah. And so kids, we're going to come over here. Hey, hey, come on over. We're going to pray for Shelly. Can you come over? We're going to do this like this. So get your hands out like this. This is sometimes how we pray for people. We're going to just grab Shelly. Just put a hand on her, if you will, just somewhere. It can be on her shoulder, on her wrist, wherever. Just put a hand on her. And let's pray for Shelly. Lord, we're so thankful for Shelly, what she's meant to our church. And as, Lord, uh, this next chapter opens and she uh, continues to bless and do ministry uh, in all sorts of new ways, may, Lord, will you just not only pour out your love upon her, but, Lord, continue to use her to not only overflow her cup, but to spill into others your love and your peace and your joy, and especially for children, that, Lord, they could grow up knowing the stories of Jesus, the stories from the Bible, but also, Lord, have you in their heart. Lord, bless her, keep her, and, Lord, uh, once again, let her just know how much we will love her and miss her. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and let's just give our appreciation to Shelly here today. All right. So I think you guys might head on back up now at this time. All right, thank you, Shelly. We love you. <laughs> Hank's going to preach now. <laughs> All right.
morning. We'll see if we uh, might have a circus come to town here this morning. I don't know. All right. We love you guys. Y'all have a great day. Well, as promised, then we're actually going to have another sermon. You get a two-sermon today. Not only have we heard about Moses, but we're going to do Mary and Martha as well. And uh, as we're here today, it's kind of fun and interesting because, um, you know, the Scripture really tells two big stories about Mary and Martha. Uh, The first is the story that involves the raising of Lazarus from the dead, uh, which we preached on before. But I thought this was a good opportunity because I, in this church at least, have never preached on specifically this passage. So I thought it was a great opportunity to jump in and do it today, wasn't it? So uh, thank you, my daughter, who just ran off about giving us this sermon topic today. But as we heard in our story, once again, and I know there's a lot happened since that story, but it's a pretty simple story where Jesus is going around doing his thing. Martha actually invites him to come into her house, and she's, by doing that, is now preparing and doing the meals and doing all the different stuff for them. And uh, Jesus has, has already got to teaching, and it says in the words, I'll just read it to you again, in the English it says, you know, that she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me? Tell her to help me, right? I love this story in so many ways and so many facets because I see myself in it so often and I see, honestly, a big challenge to all of us in so many deep ways. But it is interesting, this, this story, it's almost kind of like a coming of age to me in some ways, which feels weird when you're 41 years old, but when I was younger, I had different pastors at different times in different places, I moved around a lot, and I always found it interesting because whenever this sermon was preached from this uh, scripture, that is, whenever a sermon was preached from here, uh, there were two totally different interpretations to it. And I thought, huh, how interesting is that? So interpretation one went something like this. It's pretty much said, hey, in this story, Martha gets distracted by all the busyness and all the work, right, and all the things that are going on and doesn't actually spend time with Jesus. And this is a story reminding us once again that we got to stop and make time for Jesus and that Martha was choosing all the worries of the world over the goodness of Jesus, which Mary was choosing. And so we all need to be like Mary and spend time with Jesus. That was sermon number one. Sermon number two went like this. It said, hey, you know what? Stuff's got to get done. Martha was being a good host. She was doing all the things that she needed to do. And the moral of the story is not that she needed to stop and spend time with Jesus. The moral of the story is she didn't need to be bitter about someone else who did something different and that Jesus was saying, hey, you, you know, like when she, when he, the he talks to her, is basically saying, hey, don't get on Mary, or Martha, Martha, Mary, Martha that is, don't get on Mary, you know, do your thing kind of thing, and you know, you do you, sort of speak, and do what you're doing, and don't let her and distract her, because what she's doing is her needed for her. And so you get these two totally different interpretations. I saw some of you like cheering as you went on, right, as it went on for one of those different interpretations. You guys didn't see it because you're looking this way, but some people in the back were being rowdy back there because we're rowdy Methodist here at this Grove Port United Methodist Church. It's okay. You can do that. You can amen. Or, there you go. So, uh, but as we're here, you know, as, as we look about this scripture, it's interesting. So, you know, we're going to look just real briefly at which one may be right or maybe in the middle, of course, and those different kind of aspects of it. But I found it interesting to stop and think about this is a good example of how interpretation can be different for people, right? So how people can come to a scripture, read the exact same thing, and come away with almost two totally different purposes of that scripture in their life. And it is interesting how God, you know, uh, uses scripture in our life. Sometimes um, there's almost kind of this way of God uses the, the interpretation that he gives us in the moment, in that moment, to do something in our lives. There's also the idea that maybe God is trying to do something and still lead us to somewhere new. I'm glad to report that of all different 
church splits that have ever happened, no one has ever split over the interpretation of Mary and Martha that I know of, right? <laughs> but you can see technically how sometimes it gets difficult, right? Because sometimes this church, and I love this attitude of this heart, then what's behind it of saying, hey, Christians just need to be one and be together, and, and you know, we all just need to, we all just need to spend time with Jesus and everything works itself out. But you can see how people can still have that heart, still come to scripture, and still see totally two different applications of the same thing. And so it's interesting as you think about that, and, and of course, how do we love and follow Jesus when we come to stories and see two totally different things is, of course, part of the challenge of our days and all the things that we go through. And it's been a challenge, really, for the church ever since about 1,000 AD when the church split into two big halves. Well, when I look at the scripture, it's interesting because uh, one of the dear people of my life, his name was Christopher Carlton, and so part of why, to be frank, I avoid this scripture... <laughs> somewhat, honestly, it's not because of its interpretation, but it reminds me of one of my pastors that was a mentor to me. And uh, so I just have to just talk just real briefly. Christopher Carlton was a pastor friend of mine that was very dear to my family. When my mom was sick, he spent a lot of time with her. And um, as you know, I was going through the theological school training and all that stuff. Hadn't been ordained yet. I was still waiting and gone through interview processes and stuff. I was waiting around and um, it was Christopher who when my mom was in her dying days, came and had communion with us, and I remember him very distinctly saying, hey, Jonathan, you do it. Which, by the way, is a big no-no in the Methodist church. You're not supposed to do it. <laughs> but he looked at me and said, hey, Jonathan, you do this. And so as we sat there one day, I got to serve my mom communion ever before I had an opportunity to truly do it with the blessing of, quote, unquote, of the Methodist church. We had communion together. He's very dear to me. He also uh, suffered throughout his life with bipolar disorder and uh, eventually lost his battle with that, took his own life. And so whenever I come to this passage, I remember him because he's one of the people who I remember very distinctly preaching it, and it reminds me of him. And so I just, my own personal ability here today, you know, I don't know how heaven works in these moments, but Christopher, if you're watching, I just, I think of you, and uh, I thank you for your love that's been shown to my family. But as we're here, you know, you look at this scripture and these words that are spoken, and so, you know, how do you understand them? Is it, is it to say, hey, church, don't worry about the things of this world and just sit down with Jesus and kumbaya and everything works out? Or is it, hey, people, when you're busy doing things, don't get mad at other people that do things differently, right? And so which one is kind of the understanding of this verse? But I think it's really important to go back and to truly understand this. I think you have to go back to the original Greek language, because, of course, the scriptures were written in Greek and not in English, uh, at least the New Testament parts of it that were, as what I'm saying, it was written, of course, in other languages in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it was in Greek. And so one of the interesting things about this is this word that really kind of puts the whole thing in a deeper context than we hear it in English. Because remember, the very words it says, I just want to read to you this one part again. It says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations. Now, when you hear that, you have, probably have something in your head of what that looked like. But here's this, the Greek word. The Greek word for this, and I won't bother you, you know, it's, a, it's actually a pretty hard one to pronounce, so I won't bother you with that, but I do want to say it means this, it basically has this image of to draw away. So there are other ways you might, you know, translate this, or not only to draw away, to be driven about mentally, to be over-occupied, or simply put, to be too busy. As in, it comes with this idea, and actually the original languages, as you know, are very vibrant in imagery. The imagery that this word kind of comes from is this idea, the root of it. It had the image of something grabbing you and dragging you about. 
And so when it says that she was distracted, it doesn't have just the idea of, oh, I'm just doing a bunch of things and I'm busy and hey, I want some help. It has the idea of she's not able to concentrate on it. It is just dragging her from place to place, making these preparations to where she can't even be in the room, basically. That her, her body's there, so to speak, but she's not even there at all. And so when you think about this imagery of Martha, who is wanting to do such a good thing, invites Jesus into her home once again, wants to be with Jesus, invites, her into her, invites him into her home, that is, and as he comes, she's so busy, over busy, being drug about everywhere that she's missing every single thing that goes on. In fact, enough so that her own sister, instead of helping, sits down with Jesus to do this, and Martha, of course, gets mad at her, and Jesus says, hey, in these words, I'll read them to you again. I love it that he says, Martha. Martha. Says it twice. Gets her attention. You are worried and upset. We could go into Greek on those, but not just worried, but I mean really upset and turned over, if you will, about many things. But only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. One of the great things about this passage is it really strikes home to, I think, everyone. If you're an American in the 21st century, this should hit us between the eyes. It absolutely should. Because if you think about daily life in America, we are drug about. And it's always amazing whenever someone goes to, you know, do a trip to another country and they come back and they just say, it was so great. Like, just the speed of life has slowed down, right? That the people, like, actually spend time. Like, when they eat together, they, like, actually eat together or, like, when they do things together, they do things together, and the amount of just ability to just sit and be with somebody, even if nothing is spoken, is just amazing. And yet in America, we so highlight productivity, being productive and productive and constantly working and constantly going, that this almost idea of rest and being with others sometimes gets laid to the wayside. And so I think it's interesting because Martha, of course, in the story, has great intentions. I mean, A-plus intentions. She wants to host Jesus in her house. And this is important because in the scriptures you see Jesus kind of goes from different houses and with people and basically his ministry relies on he and his disciples being able to go and have people show hospitality to welcome them in, to feed them, to clothe, not clothe them per se, but feed them and help them with their clothes and do different things and give them rest as they travel around and around. And Martha is doing just this. Her heart is to bless Jesus. But again, it's impossible to have Jesus in your house and be too busy that you don't get to spend any time with him. And not only that, not only do you get to spend time with him, but it's almost this idea where you just try to suck others into your kind of personal unbeing, if you will, of your over-busyness of other people need to get involved and be with this and to do this and to do this. And yet Jesus is standing, sitting there and teaching. I find it amazing because uh, I say that all of us as Americans should be hit between our eyes. But you know, the persons in this world that this story hits most between the eyes is pastors. Believe it or not. Because we have the best, I can tell you almost every pastor I've ever met has the best intentions. They want to serve Jesus. They want to help people. They want to feed and clothe people. They want people to have opportunities they wouldn't have otherwise. They want people to be included and to be people to grow up with educations. They want people to have hospitals and have doctors and have eye care and all these different things. They want all this stuff for people. They want people to have happiness and to sow seeds of their life and to grow great things. And so many times we're busy doing thing after thing after thing after thing after thing of meeting, 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 meeting
How many pastors I talk to and they just say, I need a vacation. And you go, what would you do on your vacation? They say, nothing. <laughs> right? I just want to spend some time in Scripture. It's amazing and to me over, you know, I've served now 13 years in, in full-time vocational ministry in the Methodist Church, and how amazing it is of how many pastors the burnout is so real. And I think it's a fair warning in this scripture that we see lived out in modern day times. It's impossible to have, or it's very possible to have great intentions. It's very possible to even have Jesus in your house. It's very impossible to not sit with him, not be with him. And I think Jesus ultimately, even though I think he would agree, Martha as being host, he's not necessarily getting onto her about the fact that she needs to just kumbaya and sit there, that he's just going to do a miracle, per se, and make food just appear out of nothing, but he could if he wanted. He's reminding her, Martha, don't be drug around. It doesn't rely on you, and it doesn't rely on the next thing that you have to get done. It doesn't rely on the next ping that happens on your phone that tells you you need to get onto a certain website to see what news thing is going on. Don't be drug about. Because Mary has chosen in fact, I think the invitation that he says really is this idea of, Martha, lay down your overburdenness. Lay down your overbusyness. Lay down being distracted. And come and be with me. Now, again, I don't think this teaches that we just kumbaya sit on a hill and everything gets going. If you look at Jesus, there are times he sends the disciples. In fact, just uh, you know, this week as we celebrate Holy Week, he sends his disciples to prepare the meal, the Seder meal, the Last Supper meal, to do that. He gives people tasks to do all the time, and we need to do those and do those faithfully. But it's also possible to do them, or to do them in such a way that we miss Jesus, or we harbor resentment to those who don't help out or do their fair share. It is possible to do good things for the right reasons. And Jesus is still knocking at our door, waiting to come. I mentioned before about how pastors will often come to meetings and things, and we'll talk about this. It's, we always call it self-care, but really what we're talking about is, is the fire still alive in you? Like, are you just keep doing things because it's a good thing to do, or are you doing them because Jesus is in them and alive and working in your heart and, and working in you and transforming you, and that the passion of this story is alive and at work in your own life and transforming you as well? the very people that you do ministry for and with. I'm always amazed at how many times when pastors will get together, if we're honest with each other, in those moments we go, Man, we need to get back to Jesus. I mean, it's, it's amazing how many times. And the power that comes once again, when we truly sit and be with Jesus, I was always amazed at thinking back in times of my life where, you know, in ministry, as I mentioned before, you get into do things and do things and do things and do things and go and go and go. And uh, there have been times for sure in my life where Jesus is sitting back at mile marker one, and I'm on 10, he's saying, come on back, <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially in youth ministry, because, oh my gosh, there's no time to think in youth ministry, right? But I used to do that. But I challenge you today to think about what it means to be a Martha, who can also be a Mary. To be a Mary, who can also be a Martha.
God's calling you to do great things. But don't miss him. He's sitting at your very own table, waiting to meet with you, to be with you. He cares for you more than you can ever imagine. Let us pray. God, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your presence. And God, as we're here today, we've reminded ourselves once again how easy it is to just be in the trappings of church, to do churchy things, to do good things even, do them with the right spirit, the right heart. Yet at the same time, Lord, get so busy doing them that we lose sight of just being with you. And so God, once again, we know you're never at, through at work with us. Continue to change us, transform us, that Lord, in all the things we do, they'd be full of life. In all the ways we do ministry, that we would never feel downtrodden or, or depressed or to be overused or burnt out, that we would feel alive and ready for our cup to overflow into others. And God, all that starts because we spend time with you, the master. That just like a pottery that you shape with your own hands, you'd shape our hearts and lives, not only that they would give you glory, but that it would overflow with abundant life. And so God, we surrender to you once again. You're in our midst. All of us together, sit at your feet. Hear what you have to say. We pray all this. In your holy and precious name, amen. Please stand for our closing hymn this morning. What an appropriate hymn. We need to surrender all to Jesus.